is a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig, Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth, the world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Tr- 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to The Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Intercom Studios in the Miracle Mile. I'm with a goat on the line. It's your boy, Greg Biggins. GB, how you feeling? Feeling pretty good, Keith. How are you feeling? I'm feeling energized this morning. Energized because you know what, Greg? It's time for me to get back into shape. I got to get in the gym. I got to get back into shape. I got a lot of big things cracking off sooner than later. So I got to get right. But I noticed other, that. Yeah. Hey. Some cane protein, a little, a little cardio, <laughs> little, little no, lean turkey. No, no protein for me, but a lot of cardio, a lot of water. But we, we're going to get it in. But nevertheless, GB, it's a transparent truth. And uh, we're talking a recap of games. We're talking some recruiting. We do not have top performers this week, considering the inclement weather that took over Southern California football this past weekend. We're going to skip over our top performers, but we are going to recap games. We do have recruiting for you with my man, Greg Biggins. We also have a sleeper of the week that we both agree on and really, really like. So uh, without further ado, GB. The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. Greg Biggins, 20 plus years in the recruiting business, crystal balling, everything under the sun. GB, you got a crystal ball for my weight loss? What do you got for me? Talk to me. I, I think if you work hard and if you apply yourself on a daily basis, Keith, cut out the alcohol, get the cardio, <laughs> we can get you down to at least 250. Wow. In a couple in a couple of weeks. We can do this. That's, That's it. my crystal ball. I've we can n- do this. I've never touched 250 in my life, G- GB. Oh, my bad. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Down, sorry. We can get you down to a lean to 238. <laughs> That's probably where I am right now. I need to get down to about a two fifteen. All right, I think I got about. You know what? You got a beautiful wife and three kids, so you know you don't you don't you don't need to impress anybody anymore, right? No, good. That's my philosophy. No, absolutely. Um, I'm getting messages that they can't hear you on the line. GB, let me see if I can get that fixed. I'm not working the controls in here like I was before Andrew left, but. I'll see if I can get that done. Nevertheless, I think this might be it here. Let me see if that's it. May or I, may I not. Talking? Should I talk? I don't know. I... I don't know. We'll just go with it. And uh, if, if we're having issues, then I'll make sure that I contact Andrew and I'll get back up on live. So we're running this live on Facebook right now. Something that we enjoy. What you say? And we're making a great impression on this Facebook live thing. Dilly dallying with the whole soundboard sounds like hey well yeah hey listen this is what we got to do to, to get the get the get the the masses fired up about high school football we got a lot to talk about today big games over the weekend gb but before we get to that we have recruiting with you hit us with what you got we have about three or four commitments that just happened over the week uh last night which was monday seth figgins the big 2020 tight end from wesley committed to the oregon ducks their first commit of the 2020 class. Seth visited 
back back in the spring, and then he was back on campus this weekend for their big win over Washington. And he's been kind of a lean there. You know, Seth hasn't played at all this year. He had a clavicle issue, uh, but he's getting healthy, Keith. He might be back for the final game against Oaks Christian, but if not, he said he for sure will be back for the playoffs. That's right, playoffs, and he's ready to go. So big 6'6", 225-pound Seth Biggins. Oregon also picked up, not over the weekend, but late last week, a linebacker from Ballard, Kentucky, who goes by the name of Jared Casey, uh, committed to Oregon over the hometown Kentucky Wildcats and the Wisconsin Badgers. So nice pickup by Oregon there, a top 300 player nationally, a position of need, and a nice job by the Ducks to go outside their region and pick up a pretty talented kid. Uh, Isaiah Rutherford from up in Northern California, Sacramento area, Keith, committed to Notre Dame. Kind of narrowed it down to also include Colorado. Um, Oregon was kind of in the mix, but he didn't make it out for that visit. Cal was the hometown school where his dad played. I think it kind of came down to Notre Dame and Colorado, and he just really, really loved it at Notre Dame. And the Irish do such a great job coming out west and grabbing a couple kids every single year, just that tradition that they have, and they do a great job. And the last one, Keith, and I'll let you comment on all those guys we just talked about. Uh, The last one is a kid from El Cerrito, up in the NorCal area by the name of Armand Archie, the speed guy, legit 4-4, DB, big corner. And uh, he visited Washington State a couple weeks back and went ahead and committed to the Cougars as well uh, over the weekend. So Armand Archie, a big DB, uh, a speed corner, is going to the Washington State Cougars. So Archie, Rutherford, Figgins, and Casey. Keith, what do you think? Man, that's that's a good group. I know for a fact Seth Figgins is a kid that a lot of coaches love across the country. He's got terrific size and length. He's more athletic than he probably is getting credit for. Um, has the ability to stretch the field down the seams. Also, get up the sidelines and catch a short ball and break a tackle and really put pressure on the defensive backs to tackle in space uh, with his long, lean, but strong frame. Seth Figgins committing to the Ducks. The Ducks are doing a great job again in Southern California. Isaiah Rutherford, uh, a, a, a track guy, a speed guy, 10-7 guy on the track. He's going to go to Notre Dame, play defensive backs. Notre Dame has a long lineage of producing Quality defensive backs that move on to the NFL. Coach Todd Light was one of those D-backs back in the late 80s and early 90s GB. He's back there coaching now, doing a great job recruiting. Isaiah Rutherford, he's got long arms. He's got quick feet. I love to see him play the game at five foot five and not six foot one. Uh, but once I think he gets that done, learns how to play the game low and really use his technique that he's going to be learning over there in South Bend. I think he's going to be a very good tr- contributor to the Fighting Irish. Isaiah Rutherford, uh, a TMP guy, a, a Sacramento kid, uh, terrific family, terrific mom, terrific dad. Excellent pickup for the Fighting Irish. I think he's going to do a great job starting off with special teams and then moving on into that defensive side of the football, GB. The other two guys I'm not super familiar about. Who was the first kid you mentioned, GB? Uh, did I say... Oh, it was, uh, it was Jared Casey from Kentucky. Yeah. Who committed to Oregon. And then also Armand Archie from up north, El Cerrito, going to Wazoo. Okay, so I do know about Archie, the kid from Kentucky. I'm not very, very well versed on him. So I'm not going to speak on him much, but I do know the kid. 
uh, from up north who committed to Wazoo. Like you said, he's a, he's a darting guy, right? The guy's explosive. He's quick. He's really, really fast. Track guy. Wazoo doing a great job with undersized receivers like a Jameer Calvin who play in space, who can catch and go, um, who understand how to run routes and get open and that wide open spread attack by Mike Leach, who, like you said, does more with less than probably any coach in the country. Wazoo having a great year so far, looking to add more talent up there in Pullman. Great pickup for them. So in addition to the commitments, we also had several visitors. The headliner was obviously Kayvon Thibodeau took his official visit to Oregon. And reports are, I haven't yet to talk to KT. I have talked to my guy Ivan Stevenson, who was also out there. And they said, hey, phenomenal visit, best game atmosphere, best game they've ever been to. Oregon's got a legit shot right now. So I think a lot of us kind of thought this was an Alabama-Florida State battle. But Oregon kind of thrust themselves in the mix. They had a really big weekend. Mace Boone was out there. Mikhail Wright was out there. Kel Millen, the committed quarterback. All three of those players already committed. And he had some stud juniors. Guys named Savelle Smalls and Johnny Wilson. You hear about those guys, Keith? Savelle Smalls, Johnny Wilson. They're not bad. They're not bad at all. Yeah, not bad at all. So Oregon did a really good job. And and shoot, what an atmosphere. They rushed the field. All these players were on the field. Kayvon Thibodeau was on the field. So uh, (laughs) we'll see if this was an emotional high that he will come down from. Or shoot, can the Ducks kind of come in late? And this would be the upset of all upsets. Not to take anything away from Oregon. But again, we kind of always picture this as a Bama-Florida State battle. USC's basically out. He's going to visit Florida that first weekend of November and then probably decide late November, early December. So, interesting, Keith. Interesting the, times with Kayvon Thibodeau. The band is on the field. The band was on the field, along <laughs> with about, you know, 10,000 fans. So, that was a, a yeah. crazy atmosphere. J.L. Skinner from Point Loma, yeah. uh, a good-looking athlete, took his official visit to Cal. We had him leaning toward Boise State. Now we kind of have our crystal balls going toward Cal. So we think that could happen fairly soon. Uh, big Ty Robinson, big defensive end out of Higley, Arizona. Uh, he took his official visit to USC over the weekend. I think USC is probably in a good spot for Big Ty. Uh, we think they're probably his leader. Uh, also visiting a couple East Side Catholic juniors, Aiden Hector, uh, real physical, angry DB, plays mad all the time. I love it. And then DJ Rogers, big time tight end, also in that 2020 class. Uh, both those guys visited USC. JoJo Forrest took his official visit to Wazoo. I actually thought he might be ready to commit between Wazoo and Oregon State. But lo and behold, here comes UCLA and here comes the Washington Huskies. So a couple more schools in the Pac-12 are starting to come after JoJo. He decided to hold off making a decision. He's going to visit UCLA on Wednesday unofficially. And he wants to take an unofficial trip to UW. Uh, big time Alamany offensive lineman Donovan West visited Arizona State. Uh, Giles Jackson, Jay Butterfield, junior quarterback, visited Michigan. Big time elite 2020 corner from Saguaro, Arizona. Keely Ringo visited unofficially the Ohio State University. And then last but not least, Melquan Stovall, slot receiver from Sarah High School, took his official visit to Nevada over the weekend. So those are kind of the big headliners, Keith. Yeah. Um, Pretty, pretty interesting week. I've said a lot of underclassmen right now taking trips, and we're going to kind of keep our eyes on what happens with Ty Robinson, J.L. Skinner, 
uh, JoJo Forest, see if Washington or UCLA actually offers a scholarship, or they're just kind of, you know, just kind of maybe trying to keep him warm while they wait for other guys. If I'm JoJo and I have options between Wazoo and Oregon State, it's tough for me to, to allow myself to feel like I'm a second-class kid, right? I want to be treated with love right now. So sure. I'm saying, man, UCLA, Washington, either offer this kid or, or let him go. Don't don't waste his time. And then obviously you want to wait and see what happens with KT. Obviously no decision coming up anytime soon. But again, great job by Oregon, making a huge impression. It's kind of funny. Some people, before that trip, I was on the Oregon duck board, and they're going, why are we even waste our time tripping in K-Bond? We have no chance. Hmm. You know, it's all about marketing, Keith. We talked about this before. It's why some schools will actually offer a kid they have no chance at. They want to see this kid tweeted out. Sure. And it's free marketing, free publicity. So even if a kid who's a big-time player, a top 100 player, a top 300 player nationally, if you know you, you, ha- you have no shot with him and he wants to take a visit, Many times, schools will still allow that kid to visit because what happens? The kid will come, he'll have a great time. He won't go to your school, but he'll go back to his hometown and say, dude, I'm not going there, but Oregon was a phenomenal time. Phenomenal time. Washington was a great time. Uh, you know, Boston College was a great time. I'm not going to go there, but dude, you should take, check it out. And it's just free marketing, free publicity. So that's why fellow fans wondering, why do our schools tripping guys we have no shot with? Free marketing, free publicity. It's never a bad thing to have a kid tweeting about your school on Twitter or telling his friends, uh, you know, in his area or outside his area about how much fun he had at your particular school. Yeah, no question about it. Interesting to see how this Kayvon recruitment unfolds moving forward. Will it be the Seminoles? Will it be Roll Tide? The Oregon Ducks sneaking around the chicken kook, trying to get a sniff of the nation's number one prospect per 247 composite. I think they got a not just a shot. I think they got a really, really good shot. And uh, are you ready to crystal ball Oregon for Kayvon? I know you haven't spoken to him, like you mentioned earlier, since his visit. Uh, you have spoken to Coach Stevenson. Where are you at with a GB right now? Can you say something definitive that can get us leaning one way or another? I, I still, I'm still leaning toward FSU. Okay. And my just doing this a while, I don't doubt for one second he had a phenomenal time at Oregon. But I, I've also seen this movie a few times, and I think, although I do think Oregon is in there, I do think they have a shot. Mm-hmm. I think you know, give it a couple of weeks. I think when that kind of that post visit emotional high kind of goes goes away. Yeah, I still think Florida State is, is kind of where he and his family really feel comfortable. Tallahassee, um, comfortable with the community. Um, I still think I'm still leaning in that direction, but we'll, we'll see. You know, ask me again in two weeks and we'll see. Sure. And I like what you said about the JoJo Forrest scenario or situation. Uh, JoJo, not a highly regarded kid coming into the season, uh, has had a terrific offseason, then came into the season and really balled out, showed what he could do on both sides of the football really making a lot of big plays, showing his attributes, showing his talent. Now, a few scholarship offers. I know he took a trip to Utah State, taking a trip to Oregon State and Corvallis, Wazoo and Pullman. Now UCLA coming around and sniffing. UW coming around and sniffing. Well, what do you know, GB? My guy, JoJo Forrest, has become big time. Pac-12 recruit. I'm with you. I don't want those teams to play with him. 
If you think he's a guy, offer the guy a scholarship and allow him to make a decision. Don't be sticking up, you know, a branch out, pulling it back, sticking it out, pulling it back. Don't play with the kid's emotions. Don't play with his future. If I'm JoJo, I'm with you, Greg. I don't want to be nobody's second fiddle to the prom, right? I don't want to be nobody's backup plan, okay? I want to go where I'm needed, where I'm wanted, and they love me. That way I've got the chance to come in there and compete right away versus a guy who comes in as the one of the last scholarship guys towards the end of signing day. You're just kind of a, a spot filler. I'm with you on that, GB. I think uh, Wazoo, Oregon State, I think those guys should be uh, should be at the top of the food chain. Yep. And I think he gets that. It's a you know, they're it's an intelligent family. They understand it. They get it. You know, you got to at least listen. But mm-hmm. I'm saying, man, give them a listen. Sure. You know, be very, very. Uh, what's the word? You do not want to wait too long and have Wazoo and Oregon State get ticked off and say, you know what? Hey, you want to sniff around? We're going to pull our offer and go somewhere else. You don't want that to happen at all. Right. So. Exactly. Lock, lock in your spot. If there's some place you love, lock in your spot. Now, if there isn't a place you love as a recruit, then maybe you want to sit and wait. But if, if you know what you like, you know what you love, you know where you want to go, man, don't wait around. The grass is not always greener on the other side, man. Go where it's a fit for you. Don't go name sniffing and, you know, Hey, big time in because this school seems the perception is that it's bigger right now. Uh, you know, Oregon State and UCLA are probably on the same football plane, if you ask me, Greg Biggins. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, Washington State's a, a top 25 team, so yeah, I mean, but, but again, you know, with a school like UCLA, it's not just about football for them, it's location, it's education, it's academics, right? That, that's that's always hard to pass up. So, from a football standpoint, I'm agreeing with you, yeah. But you can't make a decision just based on the football program. Sure. You can't do it based on just, you know, seven, five or six games or how many they played this year. I haven't followed it too closely, but uh, I, I did see UCLA beat Cal over the weekend. That was kind of surprising. Not that they won, but just by the score. I mean, we were hyping the Bears up about two or two weeks ago. Keith, what the heck happened they've, there? They've hit a slide, GB. They've hit a slide. They, they need a quarterback. They've hit a slide. Garbers is struggling. Um, the kid who transferred from South Carolina. McElwain, yeah. I can't always forget his name. He's struggling a little bit. Too many turnovers. Yeah, they're, they're but you know what? UCLA's getting better. They are getting better. They are getting they are better. Getting, absolutely. It's very uh, easy to see that. Right. Uh Dorian Thompson's throwing the ball well and making good decisions. So um and you know what, I'm just gonna leave that right there. But uh, congratulations. Uh, you know what, GB, one more thing I wanted to mention in terms of recruiting. There was a big offer sent out this week. And I'm wondering if it's got my guy, Bo Halinski. Ooh, thinking. Good, 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 good. good. good Talk to out. me, Greg Bingus. You are the you are the man when in terms of recruiting analysts, information, blase, blase. Right? You've seen you've seen every scenario when it comes to recruits. How do you perceive this Stanford off offer to affect the recruitment of Bo Helensky? It will have a huge effect on his recruitment. Wow. Wow. Um, USC, USC, no. UCLA, no. Right. The only school, and, and he's, he's been open with me about this in the past. Yeah. The only school that could move the needle and get him away from South Carolina was Stanford. Wow. That's the childhood dream school. Dream school. That's out of his mouth. 
yeah. to you and the listeners and to God's ears. Absolutely. The, the childhood dream school. He told me this before he got the offer, Keith. So yeah. when he got the offer, and interesting thing, you know, we talked at the opening. He mentioned Stanford was kind of sniffing around. I said, you know, I know Stanford's tough. Yeah. Um, what do they want you to do? You know, I said, you know, I need to take the two AP classes. They might need, I need, might need to take the test score again. I don't know if I want to do it. Yeah. So I kind of thought that was it, right? That was right. it. It was he already had his schedule set up. Right. So when he texts about the offer, I go, what about the academic side? Do you, you know, you probably already have your schedule set up. Sure. He goes, I set it up so it can happen. Wow. So it's almost like he's got, he always had the backup plan just in case. And what well, was it a backup plan? There's so much that goes into this. Yeah. And we know his story. Of course. For those of you who don't, older brother Tyler, uh, Washington State quarterback, was going to be the start of this year, um, committed suicide over the summer. And therefore, the family just, look, we got to get out of the Pac 12. We got to get out of the West Coast. Yeah. You don't want any reminders? I get that. I right. get that 100%. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. If something happened in, like, yeah, one of my kids, something happened in my house, we're moving, we're moving outside of this house. Sure. I, I don't want any reminders for, for them. They want to get out. They don't want to go travel to all these stadiums and see, oh, Tyler played here. Oh, right. Tyler played here. Right. You know, shoot, what happens if you actually play at Wazoo, right? Right. So people wondered why. Why Why South Carolina? Well, shoot, they love South Carolina. Love to visit. Visited twice. Visited a bunch of schools out there in the SEC country, but they just fell in love with South Carolina. It fit them perfectly. Sure. He was locked in. Saying all that. Now, that's still on the table. The fact that the family still wants him out of the Pac-12, that's still on the table. It's why it's not a slam dunk. Right. But I will. I believe this. I think in his heart of hearts, I think that Bo Halinski really, really likes Stanford quite a bit. And if it was up to him and him only, yeah. I think I could see him making that move. But it's not just up to him. It's a family decision. And that's why right now I would say it's probably a coin toss if he flips to Stanford or if he hangs on. You know, another thing was, you know, he's on track to graduate early and, and go there for spring ball. Stanford does not allow that. Right. Like why, why they lost Max Williams. Right. Um, they don't allow that. So that's another thing that's, you know, in, in the mix here was, you know, does Bo want to sacrifice, you know, doing the whole graduating early thing right. um, in order to, you know, play out, you know, do the spring semester of school, then enroll at Stanford in the fall. So there's those are the all that's kind of like the table setting. You know, there's there's family, there's school, and then there's his dream school. So it's, it's going to be a tough decision for sure for him. Wow, that that break. Thank you for that breakdown, GB. I loved it. It, it allows me to put out this shameless plug. The Pro Football Hall of Fame Academy is going to be hosting. It's going to be announced very soon. We're going to be hosting a National Signing Day live on CBS Sports Show. Four-hour signing day show um, from Mexico City. And Bo Helensky will be signing on the dotted line to probably either South Carolina or Stanford. And I'm going to be on pins and needles just to find out where he's going to be going. And I'm also excited that Bo's going to be doing it uh, at the Pro Football Hall of Fame Academy event. So, wow. GB, that's a lot. That's a lot for me to take in right now, man. My guy, Bo Stanford coming in late, not at the 12th hour, but coming in late and uh, putting it down. And I don't know how you say no to Stanford, Greg. I, I, I don't, especially as a quarterback. Saying no to Stanford as a corner, saying no to Stanford as a as a as a as a defensive tackle. I could see it. I wouldn't do it, but I could see it. 
saying no to Stafford as a quarterback, I tweeted out about, you know, when it happened, I said, probably the most significant quarterback offer in the country is from Stanford. Would you agree or disagree with that, GB? Uh, I mean, it's, it's definitely up there. I mean, it's a pro-style system. It's David Shaw. Does a really good job quarterback. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a quarterback. Especially, I mean, if you're a pro-style quarterback, yeah. that not many schools run that offense anymore. So that And that's Bo Helensky. That's what he wants to do. So, right. I mean, you look at the track record since Andrew Locke. They haven't been churning out, you know, the NFL guys like other schools have. Um, but still, dude, Stanford, for me, if my kid got an offer from there, it, it'd be very hard for me to tell him to go anywhere else but oh, Stanford, no doubt. that's just just there's just so but but again another factor keith is you know bo really well it this is breaking up with a girlfriend i mean this is this is literally not it even is. a girlfriend this is you're engaged this is you're gonna get ready to get ready to walk the aisle with this girl that you've been dancing with now saying you know what i don't want to marry you anymore right and for some kids it's no big deal they lack integrity yeah. whatever you know ryan is has about as much integrity and he's about as solid as a, of a human being as you're going to find. Right. So just having for him to be able to go and say, I'm not going to go to your school, I mean, that, that's got a twist in his stomach. He's yeah. just not that kind of kid to do that. Right. You know, he's going to break some people's hearts and a huge fan base that has been supportive of him. So that shouldn't factor in. I always tell kids, this is the one time in your life it's okay to be selfish. Yeah. You got to do what's best for you. Absolutely. Don't worry about making fans. Don't worry about making coaches. Don't worry about making anyone else. You have to live with your decision. So right. that's why I think if it's up to Ryan, I really think I could see a flip. But I, it's not just up to him. Listen, I, I hear you, and you are spot on. There's nothing I can add to that. Only that when I was 26 year old, when I was a 26 year old, and my wife now, we were engaged, and. If I got a call from Beyonce and she said, hey, Keith, you want to go hang out? And I'm thinking, I'm about to get married, Beyonce. What are you talking about? Well, I'd like to date you and I want to get married to you. Would I think about that, GB? Would I think long and hard about it? Would I make the decision to walk off with Beyonce and leave my Beyonce at the altar for Beyonce. Are you seeing where I'm going here, GB? Yeah, but I, I've met your wife, and she's more, she's better than Beyonce. So it doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? Your your wife is Stanford. A, a, a man, GB, and you, I. You outkicked you outkicked her coverage. Let's, no question. Say that right now. A, no question. I wouldn't leave her at the offer at the altar. I would have to leave the offer and not leave my soon-to-be wife at the altar. I, G, listen, Beyonce, you bad. Okay, you bad. Beyonce, I wish you could have been my fiance, but I've made a commitment here. This is who where I want to be. This is who I love. This is where I'm going. And even though you bad, Beyonce, and but you can't be my fiance. I got to move on. GB, it's time for us to move on, my man. Thank you so much for your kind words. My wife, she's gonna. It's probably gonna be have a make her heart stop a little bit. I appreciate that. Um, it's time to move on. We do not have top performers this week, again because of Mother Nature and how it shut down high school football. Uh, but we do have our recap of games. GB, 
We got four games. Why don't you get us started, my man? Hey, we, we do have a, a slip of the week, though. You want to go ahead and throw that out there? Hey, 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 that? hey, hey, we do. We do. Let's go ahead and get started. Fans. Yeah, we're not total losers. We're not total losers. Sit tight. Here we come with our sleeper of the week. It's time for our sit and sleep sleeper of the week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. Our sleep of the week this week comes to you by very under the radar school, small school. <laughs> you know, trying not trying just to trying to get by. Not much publicity. Not many players. Not much winning going on. But a school by the name of. St. John Bosco and Bellflower. I want to shout out and give my Sleeper of the Week award to linebacker Junior Gaffa. What a revelation I had on Saturday, Greg Biggins. Now, I hadn't seen Junior Gaffa. I mean, let's be honest. I hadn't seen him. I ain't seen him on tape. Saw him run around a couple times at a, at a, a unpadded practice, but there's only so much you can tell at that point. This guy stood out for me in the game. With his athleticism, his athletic ability, his physicality, his intensity, his toughness. I really, really liked what I saw out of him. I'm not sure what his size is, GB. If, if, you, if I had to ask you, what would you say about probably about 6'1", maybe about 230, 220? Yeah, that, that's fair. But, man, he ran really well. Um. I thought he brought an element of intensity and physicality and athleticism to that front seven that maybe they had been missing. I did not see that the previous two weeks. It was a different guy leading that front seven. He did an awesome job. Also want to shout out, and he is my sleeper week, uh, and we'll shout out a couple of those other guys who play really well, but Junior Gaffa, GB, you have a story. Junior Gaffa, lay it on us. I mean, the reason why you didn't see him because he didn't even play, Keith. He was a five-game sit-out, a yeah. San Pedro transfer, right? So right. he wasn't even on the Max Preps roster <laughs> before the game. I'm sitting there going, who is this guy? And I was sitting on the sideline, uh, actually the back of the end zone. It yeah. was me and a couple of the Max Preps. It was Big Dave. Yeah. And it was funny because, you know, I'm, I'm right by the modern day or the St. John Bosco tunnel where they're kind of coming out. Sure. And it, there's like three or four guys that were hollering at modern day and it was the guys who don't play, right? That's kind of usually how it is. And I go, who's this guy? And, and then and I go, who's? And then Big Dave's one who kind of said, hey, that's Junior Goffa. He's the one actually first pointed him out to me. He goes, he should play. He's really, really good. Right. And I heard the story from Terry after the fact, elite, elite rugby player. Right. He plays for the same team as Mace and George Halani, which is like one of the top rugby programs around. So transferred in. I guess Bosco's got a phenomenal rugby program. And they said, hey, come out for football. So he came out, sat five games, didn't 
play in the Jay Sarah game, played a little bit in the Olu game last week, and they kind of just unleashed him. Yeah, this past weekend, and he was tremendous. I mean, he's a he's a, he's a football player. He's he's going to go somewhere. They're going to Perry will get him a ride somewhere. So that, that's awesome for Junior Gossa. But uh, yeah, no Bosco, and, and again, spend a, we'll, we'll talk about it later. But spending a lot of time with the coaches after the game, it, they were smiling. They were complete. Keith, we didn't see Jack squat from them in seven weeks. Everything was offensively and defensively. Vanilla, it was vanilla. Sure, they purposely hid. Everything from yeah. the whole world and just unleashed it. And, and Greg, we'll we'll get to that. Greg, we'll, we'll get, get to that. Right we'll now, we're talking that. sleeper of the week, my man. But I, I appreciate sleeper your energy. Of the week, yeah, Junior Gaffa. Junior Gaffa. St. John Bosco, linebacker, a hitter, athletic, physical, with good size. He'll be going somewhere. GB. I know some schools that like to have him right now. Okay, with no set out period. All right, no no red shirt. All right. Uh, Junior Gaffa, sleeper of the week. Congratulations, my man. Let's move along. Uh, we are talking now, Greg Biggs. We're talking recaps, my man. We got four games. Let's get to it because we know the big one that we're going to have to spend some time on, but let's get to it. So the big one is obviously that this Vermont Notre Dame game. Obviously. Right, that's, one that, that's one everybody wants to talk about. There's no question, Greg Biggins. Come on with it. So that was a 28-14 to 14 win for the Lancers, Keith. They are. Let me look these guys up as we're talking here. They are seven and one right now. Keith. They are. They're playing good football, Greg. They got really a win over football. Modern Day. They have a win over Modern Day on their resume. They got, <laughs> that works. They got wins. They got several. They're undefeated in probably the second toughest league in the state. Sure. When you look at who they got, it's Sarah, it's Alamany, Shamanad, uh, and it's them, and it's Notre Dame. Sure. Those are all. There's not a dog in the group. I think you know Loyola's in that group too, and they're a little bit down. Yeah. But. Um, no, Blake Archuleta, three-year starter. I think we've been talking about him for, for three years. Well, if the show was three years old, we would have been talking about him for three years. Sure. Threw for a couple hundred yards and had a big touchdown at the end of the first half. They were up, never let up, kept their foot on the gas. Kenny Collins, who's filling in for Damian Moore, rushed for 180 yards. Nice. And they got it done. They moved to 7-1 and 3-0, and and they are right now looking really good for that Mission League championship. So props to the Lancers. Man, Archuleta, and I talked about it on the matchup show, Greg, he's a great leader. He plays with a lot of moxie, right? He he, lead, he runs for first downs. He takes you know big shots at the marker, but extends and makes plays. And he can make throws. And got a physical offensive line. And this running back who replaced Damian Moore, he's been eating as of late. You know, what I mean, he must be gaining weight. He's been eating so much. And I love what they've done. Four years, guys committed to a program, working hard, taking their lumps, but bouncing back. And look at them now, GB. They should be ranked top 10 in the state. The Bishop of my Lancer, 7-1. and one. I love what they've done. And congratulations to those guys. They are on their way to a Mission League title. And you know what, GB? They've earned it. So, you know, congratulations. And keep the keep that thing moving, Lancers. I love what you guys are doing. Let's move along, yeah, they're, they're, yeah they're, they're playing at Loyola this weekend. And so, no offense to the Cubs, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Amont should roll, and that'll take them sure. to, what, 4-0? And, 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 shoot, that'll probably at least clinch. Right. A, uh, you know, that might actually clinch it because I can't think. They, they have beaten everybody else. Yeah. It, it, this was a weird one, Keith. So, Centennial Norco, they only played one quarter because it was that rain 
sure. slash lightning. And uh, they decided, hey, you know, should we make it up? Should we want to continue the game tomorrow? Nah, let's just call the game. And every other game that was raining that they started, they actually finished on Saturday. For whatever reason, these two teams just decided, hey, let's play the first quarter. Um, nah, that's that's enough. Game over. You guys take the win, twenty to nothing. Wait, wait, I, hold I on, hold, hold on, Greg Biggins, hold on. This is the transparent truth, man. <laughs> okay, hold on, man. This is the transparent truth. I'm gonna need you to keep it a buck. All so, right. I, I got a I got a high school friend you, who coached at Norco. Yeah. I have not talked to my guy, so oh. I don't want to speculate too much. But okay. if, if we're just being like, if we're just being dudes sitting at a bar. And speculating, it's almost like you would think, you know, if you're down twenty to nothing, yeah, in the first quarter, yeah, if you wanted to say, hey, let's play tomorrow, they would have played tomorrow, right, right, because Centennial, who's up, they they don't have the power to say, hey, let's just call the game. It's got to be the team that's down to be able to say, um, you know what, we don't want to lose twenty to nothing. We want to we want a chance to to rally and come back. Let's go back tomorrow and play. Sure. Maybe they couldn't find a facility. Maybe, I don't know what was going on. But without saying, Centennial was up 28-0 to after one quarter. Gary Bryant, who kind of filled in over at corner because Isaiah Young was hurt, had two interceptions. Big yep. Shane threw three picks in the first quarter. And, uh, yeah, dude, it was they were, they were rolling 28 to nothing after one quarter. And I have no clue. I don't want to say. I mean, I don't want to sit here and say Narco was scared to play, so they decided to tap out at twenty to zero. But let's just give props to Centennial. Yeah, they continue to roll. This was a game I thought might be close for at least a little bit. It was and first kickoff. It, I don't even think the first kickoff was close. <laughs> I think it was already over after that. I mean, I, I think I, I think the interception happened in the first play of the game. Too. Yeah, it did. That's why I said first kickoff. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It was ugly. I, I hear the that defensive line from Centennial that we've been raving about. They got after Big Shane Illingsworth, Gary Bryant, two picks, like you said, fill in for Isaiah Young, and the Huskies just jump on top of you so quick. They put you in a one-dimensional mode on offense because they get up so early, so fast, and next thing you know, that defensive line is pinning their ears back they're up the field and they're in your lap before you can get the ball off, sack, fumble, pick, pick, and next you know the game's over. And I would say figuratively over in the first quarter, but it was literally over in the first quarter. And uh, the Huskies, GB, what, what, what do you, what do you, what do you slot them at, Greg? What do you, I, I know you do the rankings for you know Fox. Where, where, where do you have the Huskies slotted? Because they seem to have made. Even though they were a really good team at the beginning of the year, they seem to have made that offensive improvement, that defense is begun to emerge as like one of the top defenses in the Southland. Yeah, no, for this week, I put them number two behind Bosco. Wow. wow. I'm not saying I'm not saying they would beat Modern Day if they played tomorrow, but just, you know, I, I felt like you have. They're undefeated, and they deserve to be number two. I, I always kind of put those three teams together. I know everyone says Bosco, Modern Day, Gap, Centennial, Gap. I, I think boom, boom, boom. I, I say all three of those teams. I mean, Centennial has proven over the last five years since the, the Bosco modern day era yeah. that they are equally as good. You know, they almost they pulled off the three-peat. The only year they lost a CF championship in that little three-year run they had 
was the year I thought was their best team. That was the Tanner McKee Jr. season when they lost to Bosco. When we all watched that game and said, even Jason Negro said, hey, they are probably the better team. We were better than them last year yeah. when, when they beat us. Yeah. But this year, you know, they were probably the better team. They got cheated. So they're all, they're all, yeah, have that fourth down spot. <laughs> they got, yeah, they got cheated, but whatever. No, but no, so I, I think all three are equal equal footing so I have no issue having Centennial to I got you. Uh, you know Bosco in the modern day so hey last uh, two more games Keith got yeah. Olu Jay Sarah then obviously modern day Bosco uh, Olu Jay Sarah Jay Sarah blew him out it was 56 to 21 at the half it was 42 to 14 and this is a rough one they, they played at 10 15 in the morning obviously both teams had you know the same deal yeah have to wake up early on a Saturday but Jay Sarah just jumped on them early yeah uh Three touchdowns for Caden Bell. I think three for Chris Street. He had over 100 yards. Bell threw for 240. Me McClain, he's been back for about three or four games now and looks phenomenal. Uh, he caught two touchdowns, 150 yards. It's uh, Jay Sarah's looking like a problem, and we don't want to skip ahead because Jay Sarah's playing modern day this weekend. We'll get to that on the Friday show, but Jay Sarah is very, very good. And I said it when people were saying, oh, kind of, what's wrong with Bosco? They only beat Jay Sarah by seven. I go, dude, you don't get it. you don't get how good Jay Sarah is. They probably have the best offensive line in, in, in maybe the state, Keith. And hmm. I was talking to some of the Bosco parents after the game, walking to the parking lot, and and they were saying the same thing. They are going, dude, that Jay Sarah offensive line, meet our defensive parents. They are yeah. saying, dude, our, our boys go against the Bosco O-line every day. That Jay Sarah O-line was just as good. If let me say it was just as good with a tinge of bias tells me that that Jerry Sarah Jerry Sarah O line is, is better. Really, really good. Yeah. yeah. I mean for me for me they got dudes up front. So yeah. Orange Lou just banged up Keith. There's too many injuries. Sure. And they just yeah, it's just right now they're just they're trying to survive. Yeah, they they did not have the depth two weeks in a row to go against Bosco, then go against Jay Sarah. Not the, too many guys injured don't have the depth. Um, they looked a little worn out. Then you had the rain and lightning push it a day later. Early game. It, it was like a perfect storm for them to go and get whacked. They did. Jaden Genova with a pick six. The sophomore middle linebacker. Yeah, you know he's he's proven to be probably a, a first team All Trinity League pick this year. GB, if you ask me. And Jay Sarah, like you said, they are a problem. They've got talented kids. They got a big time quarterback who. You know, just keeps lighting everybody up. I wonder, Jay Sarah, man, they're 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 uh, they got action over there. There's no, I'm, they, they match up really well. They do with anybody, especially offensively. Mm-hmm. De- defensively, you still see some holes. It's a young secondary. Mm-hmm. Jaden is tremendous. He, he's going to be. I was talking to Mark Tennis, who's you know Cal High Sports. Sure. At the Mario Bosco game, and Jaden's going to be All State. He'll be on the All State sophomore team. So. That's uh, that's family royalty right now. I got to bump into Jack Genova yeah. at the tailgate. You know, we didn't have a top performer, Keith, but let me just say this. Actually, let's we want to move on to the modern day Bosco game. Yeah, let's do it. Friday night, my top performer was easily the tailgate. It was the best tailgate I've ever been. Really? To. You didn't Dude, send me a text or nothing, GB. That's how you do your boy. Uh, I didn't know you were coming because we talked last week. You said you weren't going to be coming to the game. Yeah, so well, well, are you talking about so, Friday? Yeah, you're right. I did Friday say night, that. Friday. I did. Yeah, so you're right. I would have totally, I would have totally hit you. Dude, so I got there early, like 4 30, and I didn't leave. <laughs> like, I did not leave until about 10 o'clock at night. And 
everyone was, you know, because I had I was texting to people at Fox. I had to do a little, you know, second quarter, sure. quick little segment. So I was kind of, hey, guys, this game's not going to happen, is it? And they're like, oh, yeah, I'll probably maybe a little bit delayed. So I'm, I'm just going to stay over here and keep, you know, drinking waters or whatever was going on over there. Yeah. And, it, dude, it was like, we had, so Tommy Brown's mom was there, right? Yeah. And she compared it to the Alabama tailgates. Wow. That's how it was going off. Keith. Are you serious? Where was this at? It was right across the street from the stadium in that little big old lot where everyone parked. Oh was, my god. It was Bosco parents. It wasn't just modern day. I mean Oh, it was everybody. You know, it was everybody. I mean it was you know, eighty five percent uh modern, modern day. day. Right. Because that's that's their their home deal. Right. Like it'd be but dude, there was plenty of Bosco families, um Talibos, Wugalays, Steels, yeah. um Wow. Lytle. That's awesome. Dude, it, it was it was so much fun, dude. That's so, awesome to hear. About seven thirty, people kind of started to walk over the field. I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'm on Sam State right here, and I literally never made it over to the stadium. But I didn't think they were gonna play. We we're about a hundred feet from where that gigantic lightning strike hit. Yeah, oh, right, right. It sounded like a drive-by or like a fireworks on the Fourth of July. It was like this crackle pop, and someone got a picture of it. So, right, right. Oh, I know. And we're talking way too much about the tailgate, but I was, I just wanted to throw out a top performer best tailgate I've ever been to and the Saturday night tailgate wasn't even close there was just no energy for Saturday night so when we <laughs> get to the game there was no energy my, my girl Tagoa Kendall says it was super turnt she says it was super turnt GB on Facebook live oh the tailgate yeah she said it was it just went up I'm, I'm sad and mad that was, I missed it there was Naples Rib Company there was like wow side. then you had like the tacos going off over here what then you, over here you had I mean every type of food and I mean, I know people give modern day fans a hard time about, but it's the most in, ex- inclusive. I mean, everybody's included. You just go around from booth to booth, grab what you want. Here, you want this to drink. I mean, it was so much fun. It was, uh, like I said, man, it was the longest high school tailgate I've ever been to. After the game was over, everyone kind of came back over. Yeah. And uh, I, I helped close it out, Keith. <laughs> Me, my guy, Marcus Remigio. Yeah. Last man standing. Hey. I'm, I'm going to leave, and he went off and did his own thing for a little more while, but uh, it was good times. Good times, my guy. Was there a game also on Saturday night? <laughs> there or? was. There was. Like you said, people had no gas left in their tank for Saturday night, but there was a game. Let's break it down. Let's talk about it. Where do we start? Let's start here. The game, our first inclination was right, right? Okay, We switched yep. our pick, but... Um, Kudos to you. You talked about that modern day front being a little smallish that came back to bite them. Um, we talked uh, we talked previously about that Bosco team was going to be was a more physical and more mature team that ended up being the case. Um, so our first inclination was right. We flipped our picks. Bosco, sneaky sneaky Bosco, hit everything underneath the vest. Because I never saw them run a three-man front, a 3-3 three, three stack. They hadn't ran that all year, GB. So they brought a they whole not. new defensive plan. Yep. Brand new that they've never shown. They brought that to the modern-day game. They brought in a player that we basically had never seen in uh, Junior Gaffa. <laughs> in Junior Gaffa. Um, then you got a guy like John John Bonds, who's you know there sometimes. Sometimes he's not because of baseball. Well, dude, check this out. I'm not to cut you off because uh-huh. you're rolling. Yeah. 
only reason why Duke Johnson was um, the only reason why he started was because Jake Newman, the normal starter, got that crazy like hand foot mouth deal from the Orange Lutheran players the week before. Did you hear about that story? I heard something like that, but I wasn't totally up to breast on what had happened. But yeah, like a bunch of the Olu players were playing with hand foot mouth, and a couple of the Bosco guys, including Jake, got it. Oh. So that's why, I mean, God bless Jake Newman. He's a freaking stud. Right. But that's why he didn't play. That's why John John started and balled out. Jeez. Do you mean, but, you mean yeah. to tell me John John doesn't start full time? You John mean John's to tell me John John is sitting on the bench? John, John John is not there full time. Dude, he left after the game Saturday to go to a baseball showcase in Arizona. I mean, he's that good, Keith. He's going to be a first, second round pick in baseball. So. Yeah. GB, if I was coaching John John, he'd be rushing for 2,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, he'd have 150 tackles, five picks, five sacks, and five forced fumbles. And he's sitting, he's riding pokey at Bosco, which is interesting to me. But nevertheless, he played well. Um, Court Williams, that's my first time really, really seeing Court Williams. I was impressed. I like him. Uh, but let's just talk about the game. Okay. Bosco gets the ball first, and they proceed to ram the ball down Modern Day's throat. Modern Day, with a six-man front, could not stop the downhill run. And, we, and I talked about it, GB. We talked about it. Bosco needed to be physical, and they needed to have a physical running game. Greg, they ran the dive it wasn't a zone read, Greg. They were running the dive play, right, out of the pistol set. Handing the ball, coming downhill with the physical George Halani. That offensive line, and I, you probably know these guys better than I do, GB, but Talavo, Bed, Logan Bednar, is that how you say his name, GB? That, that is how you say his name. Uh, you, can also say, you can also say Logan Bednar with the 4-4 GPA. Keep going, Keith. Yeah, Drake Metcalf. Who am I missing? I want to shout out all five of those guys. Shout them all out. I didn't even know off the top of my head, but... I mean, they were phenomenal. And they came out and they it, punched it, Modern Day in the mouth. Dude, not, and it also, I mean, we, Chris King is a great DC, but Coach Lowe, here's the funny part, Keith. So, I've been, I've been in touch with a ton of parents, and I had so many Bosco parents telling me, we're going to lose, we're going to get out-coached with Miss Chad Johnson. Like, these are Bosco parents. Yeah. And again, props to Coach Lowe because, you, like we said, the defense was brand new. The offense is brand new also, Keith. Like, if you notice how many just how many little slants, and they kind of dinked and dunked. It wasn't just power running game that, on that first drive. They hit little five-yard passes, a little seven-yard slant because the way Monterey plays their defense, there's a lot of empty space. And they hit those spots. And the touchdown to Chris Hudson to culminate the drive, he was open by 10 yards. It was a blown coverage. They No, it was a coverage that they had never seen before. Or, excuse me, it was a offense <laughs> yeah. that they had never seen before. Again, they went Bosco not just defensively with that three-man front, but offensively, they did brand new. DJ hadn't run hardly at all this year. They saved him to use him with his legs in this game. He ran a little bit in the Jay Sarah game because out of necessity, but... He ran more in this game than he had the whole year combined. Yeah. And so I want to give a lot of props to the Coach Lowe, Bosco's new OC, who is not, not under fire. It's just Chad Johnson is kind of revered. Yeah, sure. At the school. Yeah. And people were, were saying, dude, we miss Chad. We're going to get out coached. 
you know, last year when Modern Day beat them twice, I think you could say, hey, Modern Day outcoached them, outschemed them. They looked more prepared both times. In this particular game, it wasn't even close. And every Modern Day person would say the same thing. Hey, we got, we weren't ready. They outschemed us. They out-executed us. We never adjusted to what they were doing. I don't know. You know, and GB, I hear that, but I don't know how far I take that. I'm going to tell you for a couple of reasons. Number one, I thought Bosco's coaches did a great job, you know, motivating, having his team really motivated to come in and play. I saw it Friday night before the game got canceled, Greg, and I tweeted about it. The look in the eyes of the Bosco players. I knew they were going to win that game. You could, because I've, I've seen that look before. You could see it. Guys like Raylan Goforth and guys like, you know, uh, Chris Steele and, and, and DJ. I mean, they had a look in the, they were not there to F around. They were coming for blood. You could tell. I mean, they just had so much fire in their eyes. They looked like they were ready to kill. And, and I told my buddy, I was, I said, Bosco's going to win this game. So, the coaches did a great job motivating. You know, shout out to Coach Negro. Excellent job and his staff getting those guys, you know, motivated and prepared to go win. Last year's games, two games will do that to you, though, right? Modern day embarrassed Bosco. Bosco was ready this year. They're the bigger, more physical, uh, more ready team um, on Saturday night. But uh, moving along scheme-wise, I thought the offensive scheme was good. I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was fantastic. I thought it was good. I thought downhill run was good. I thought getting the ball out of DJ's hands early and often, I thought that was good. I thought Modern Day did a poor job, Greg, of just totally abandoning their base defense, right? Uh, You talk about the play with Chris Hudson. It was a busted coverage, GB. You got one corner over there versus two receivers, and you got a detached linebacker. There's no safety. There's no nickel. There's no anything, right? So it was a busted coverage probably by alignment, right? Somebody was not lined up correctly, or they had the wrong personnel in the game for the coverage that they were playing, right? So um, I know it makes you know Coach Lowe look good, and I'm not taking anything away from him. But the modern day staff, I, I thought they, I thought they backed away from their defensive game plan way too soon. Um, given George Halani or giving up five to six yards carrying the first drive, it could it can tighten up your bottom hole a little bit. I've been that coordinator before, and I, I've played great teams. You know, coach against great teams where they come out and they punch you in the mouth. You have a choice to make, GB. At that point, you can stay patient. Allow your guys to continue fighting, you know, make have, make adjustments on the sideline, um, insert some more physical players if you have them, use slants, use line stunts, right? Or you can abandon those things, abandon your tools, and you can just push all your chips to the table and say, okay, I'm going to blitz. I'm going to bring seven guys. Well, when you bring seven guys, you get a matchup problem. Right, we know Modern Day's got a great secondary, but there's a matchup problem somewhere. Where was it? It was on Jake Bailey. You had a physical senior slot receiver going against a new booty, a freshman defensive back. That's a win, probably ten times out of ten. DJ had his matchup, and I'm sure they had that circled before the game started. You get zero coverage. 
Look at Bailey. He's going to have the one-on-one matchup in the slot versus the freshman. That's a win. He should win that, right? So, you know, modern days coaches, defense coaches, they made their decision to abandon their base and their tools to just go all out. That didn't pay off. I thought Bosco's coaches did a really good job of staying patient offensively, running the football, creating balance with DJ's quarterback run, also getting the ball out soon. And once modern day became desperate, it was time for Bosco to go over the top. And that's what they did. DJ was really good. I mean, he did what DJ does. I'm going to be big. I'm going to be physical. I can run and I can stand in the pocket and I can make throws. That's what, you know, that's his claim to fame. That's what he does. And so, uh, you know, hey, kudos to the Bosco coaches. They did an excellent job having those guys ready and prepared. Um, and, and finding their matchups. Modern days, guys. I think they're they're kind of reading their press clippings a little bit. Um, guys making, you know, dumb plays or not smart plays, let me say. Uh, guys re- just kind of reading their press clippings. They got to get that. They got to get that edge back. Bosco had the edge, Greg. And, and that's all I got to say about that. What do you got? I mean, I, I agree with some of that, disagree with a little bit of it, too. I, I don't think modern day, after one drive or even two drives, abandoned their whole entire game plan and said, let's do that. that, that that's not the modern day way. That's not Eric Johnson's way. I think going into the game plan, they had a, they had a plan. Mm-hmm. And it was similar to what Jay Sarah did. They felt, hey, let's blitz. Let's, from different angles, let's delay blitz. Let's do the, all these different things to confuse DJ. Let's get him off his launch point, which is what you and I said, right? If you could teach him to move in the pocket a little bit, and get his eyes off his primary receiver, you might have a chance with him. So that was the plan going in, was to try to blitz DJ from different angles. And they did that multiple times. It just never worked for two reasons that I saw. And again, it was kind of confirmed from talking to coaches from both staffs after the game. Number one, you know, the Bosco O-line was phenomenal at picking up everything. I mean, dude, I watched the game again at home. Mm-hmm. You know, I watched not that not that night, but watching it live. Mm-hmm. Now I was actually in the in the press booth, not on the sideline. You can see so much more. But I don't think DJ got touched. No, Keith. like literally, like there was not a sack, but he didn't even get hurried. I think the one time I actually saw a Bosco guy touch him was on the pass to Hudson for a first down, and then Hudson fumbled it. Yeah, they actually got a guy to come clean, and DJ got rid of the ball so quickly, but it was all short stuff. And defensively, I don't think modern day adjusted as well as they as they should have. Offensively, there were really no adjustments. They had verticals going down the field, and Bryce just for the first time ever, Bryce looked a little bit confused. They were able to get pressure on him with three guys. Sometimes they yeah. were able to get pressure on him with. You mentioned Court Williams was phenomenal in the game. Mm-hmm. Gio Gaffa was phenomenal in the game, and there just was. You know, talking to Chris King afterwards, the plan was was kind of simple. It was, we're going to double-team Brew, nobody else scares us, and we're going to try to pressure Bryce, blitz when we need to, but mostly want to keep him in the pocket. He still escapes at times because he's that good. Yeah. But we felt like if we could pressure him, and there were times when I felt Bryce, Bryce to me looked like he was feeling pressure when it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. There were times I thought he could have ran instead of kind of just holding the ball, holding the ball, waiting for somebody to get, to get open, because nobody was getting open. Yeah. I mean, there was just no real separation. I think there was some, you know, Huff and Dixon was open a couple of times. Bryce missed him. Um, I thought, you know, there were times when 
they kind of force-fed it to, to brew a little too much. Mm-hmm. I thought Mike Martinez had a good game. It probably should have used him a little bit more. But just, I think, going into that, that game plan, I don't know. I hated the fourth and one slant call. I mean, fourth and, it wasn't even fourth and one. It was fourth and a half a yard. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? They, they, they were yeah. 0 for 4 on fourth down. But that's the one they the batted one. down, correct? That was when Court Williams came in and batted it yeah. down. Dude, either go under center and sneak it for a half yard or right. just give it give it to Jacoby because Harper's kind of built for that kind of a game. But they need, modern day moving forward, they need another receiver. I'm almost wanting to say, dude, move Sean Dollars into the slot because they don't have another receiver outside of Brew that really scares you. You know, if you want to have Dollars and Jacoby rotating that running back, that's fine. Right now, I think Jacoby's run the ball a little bit harder. Dude, move Sean into the slot. He's a dynamic receiver. He's really good at the back with his hands. Yeah. He can get open yeah. and make a play because they need, you know, last year, Brew was the number two guy. Some games, the number three guy. Yeah. Now he's the number one guy, and there's not another two guy. Huffman Dixon, I, I think, has a chance. I like him. And he was open a couple of times. He dropped one, opened deep a couple of times. And, and Bryce just, was just overthrew him a little bit. But, yeah. You know, one thing, Keith, it's funny because I watched the game again, like I mentioned, and I walked away thinking Bosco just physically humiliated them and worked them. But then you, you watch it on TV and you kind of get almost a different perspective. There's just a couple plays here and there. You Without, know, first, sure. You know what I'm saying? First drive of the game, and I actually texted you about this. First mm-hmm. drive of the game, slant to brew, hits off his chest, they kick a field goal. Yep. You know, these give up four points right there. Yep. There was the, the long Kobe Harper run to the five-yard line. One of the receivers has a knucklehead block that was so obvious. A knucklehead block from behind that wasn't even needed. Now, instead of going first down, get down to five, they bring it to the 20. Sure. And that was another play I disagreed with. When they went for on fourth and long on about the 20-something yard line, it would have been like a 37-yard field goal, which they have a really good kicker. Yeah. It, it, it was 27 down, to 10 at that point. In a, in a, you're down a field, 17. Exactly. And a field goal brings you to a two-score game. I couldn't Take understand it. Right. Take the point. Right. Yeah. So, I didn't understand. And then uh, even the fourth down call, it was a throw to Brew where he's being covered pretty tightly with Trent. It just, I just felt like, you know, there were opportunities for Mahler Day that were there mm-hmm. and they didn't take advantage of it and credit Bosco for that. I, I really, really thought, and, and I agree that Bosco was hungry. I was, dude, I was, I was there, like I mentioned, yeah. in that locker room when they were coming out Saturday night. But you know what? I, I saw a hungry look in, in the modern day's eyes too. I walked over to their side and, and those guys, they were jacked up and ready to go too. I think sometimes they get too carried away. I, I remember, you know, last year in the Eagles on the Super Bowl, the, you know, the big center gave his pep talk. We wanted it more. We wanted it more. I, I, dude, you can't tell me you guys wanted it that much more than the other team. You guys both wanted it more. One team made more plays. doesn't mean you wanted it more than them. It just, you guys made a play. You sacked Tom Brady after he had, you know, a career game against your defense. That doesn't mean you wanted it more. You made one more play. I don't necessarily know if Bosco was wanted it more. I, I do think like you, I do think Bosco was probably, you know, a little hungrier because mm-hmm. it's that eye of the tiger, right? It's it's, it's Rocky three, the second fight. Yeah. With Clubber Lake, not the first fight. Yeah. And I I will say Bosco definitely had more of the eye of the tiger than modern day. I think some of the modern day players I'm not gonna call any names out. But they need to get away from the constant idiotic trash talk. And you're down by 30. You're still still seeing guys yapping way too much. It's just like, dude, just shut up and play. You're getting your tail kicked. There's no reason to keep talking. But I just think 
I don't think the two teams, um, if they played again, I don't think the discrepancy was as great as the score showed. But I do think if they played again, I'm Marty about to play a perfect game, and Bosco will have to do some something wrong because I still the, the discrepancy in the fronts, like it was two years ago, is was pretty pretty apparent Saturday night. It, it was looked to me like Bosco's mature O line and D line were just a little bigger, stronger than modern days <laughs> on both sides of the ball. And as long as DJ's making those quick reads, quick decisions, accurate throws. You nailed the Jake Bailey thing again. They knew ahead of time. I don't know how they knew, but after the game, they told me, hey, we heard they're going to be starting a true freshman, a true freshman. Everyone's a true freshman, right? <laughs> a freshman on Jake Bailey. Like, they already knew that. They had it circled. Yep. They knew that Hudson and Bowman will be covered by Rick and Darren Green-Warren. They knew that Nemo would be on Jude Wolf. Yep. I'll probably a wash. But who's the wild card there? Wild mm-hmm. card was Jake Bailey, who's, who might be DJ's favorite receiver anyway. So they took... A freshman who is going to be good, Keith. He's going to be good. I don't want to name his name, but he's going to be good. But a true freshman against probably DK's favorite receiver. That's his security blanket. Jake Bailey is like his security guy, and he had a field day on him. And that was, again, that was something that modern day never changed up. You know, even the last play of the game on the fourth down, they still had the freshman on Bailey one-on-one. It wasn't bad coverage. Yeah. It was just a beautiful throw, a beautiful catch, and that was definitely the dagger. If it had, you know, there's already probably been about three or four daggers before that one. Yeah. So they were, they were. I don't know, Keith. Yeah. No, I do know, Greg, and I hear you. And, and, and you know, I think you're, I think you're right on a lot of things. Um, I do know. I listen. I've coached in these type games. I know what transpired. Um, I know the feelings that go through you as a coordinator when they're getting six a crack with George Halani, right? Um, I, again, you have a choice, and Monday's choice was to basically empty, empty the, empty the bucket, and uh, Bosco took advantage. But I, I want to talk a little bit about psychologically, and I told someone this the other night. So you you got to understand after what Modern Day did to Bosco last year, but that had to simmer inside of Bosco for months, and it drove those kids and it drove those coaches. Modern Day, they had something else driving them this off season. What was it, GB? It was that matchup that was going to take place against IMG. That was modern day Super Bowl. And I'm not making any excuses for anybody, but I'm just giving you the psychology behind it all. That was modern day Super Bowl. We want the smoke. We want all that smoke. Modern day. Modern, you saw the video. Modern day. It was all about IMG. So when you're looking at Team A, but Team C is looking at you. A lot of times, Greg, you can't get up psychologically for Team C. And I know that's hard to believe. What do you mean, moderate didn't get up for Bosco? But when you have your Super Bowl two to three weeks prior, I want you to really go back and look at that game and say, was Modern Day really on their game? How many times was Bryce just a little bit overshooting a guy? How many times has Brew dropped? You know, a slant for a touchdown, or he had a, a a fade or a back shoulder for a touchdown where he kind of mistimes it. Ball kind of goes through his hands. I mean, a Brew nine times out of ten is gonna make those plays. 
They were they were not on top of their game. Again, credit Bosco. They helped them be not on top of their game. But I just think psychologically, it was a different modern-day team than we've seen. And I think that took a toll on them in this game. But kudos to Bosco. They played excellent. They were fast, physical, and smart. Those defenders we talked about, Vons, Williams, Gaffa, were definitely tremendous additions. And uh, DJ was big time. George Halani put the nail in the coffin. Jake Bailey was special in the slot in his matchup advantage. And um, Bosco got it done. So my hat is off to them and congratulations. But that's round one. We'll see if there's a round two. And uh, one thing you can't do is you can't count out the Monarchs. They got a big game. We'll be talking about it on Friday's matchup show against Jay Serra. And uh, I guarantee you, Uh, This will help them refocus and they'll get back on their horse and and get back to doing things the right way and with that that type of red commitment that they like to talk about, Greg. Red commitment. No, I agree with all that. Dude, trust me, psychology is my favorite thing. If I could do it all over again, I would study and become a smart psychologist. So I definitely agree that IMG was their focus. It's still kind of hard for me to, to just think I don't think they took, I don't think you're saying this, I don't think they took Bosco lightly. No. Um, but when they're probably doing that extra, those extra gassers, those extra squats, those extra power cleans, they probably had, maybe, maybe they had Trey Sanders and Nolan Smith on their minds. No question. As opposed to, you know, Chris Steele and, and DJ. And, um, you know, the Bosco, we didn't, I don't think we mentioned them enough also, Keith, and the last thing we'll move on because the show's getting longer than we thought it was going to be, but that Bosco D-line, I thought Suave, Poti, yeah. uh, Naeem Rodman was really good. Uh, Cole Aubrey made a couple of tackles for Laws. They were really good, too. I mean, remember we saw it two years ago with, you know, freaking Jacob Collier, who was a freak. But they were able to get some pressure at times with just three guys. Yeah. And then they would send someone late. So those guys up front for, for Bosco, Kobe Pepe, um, they were rotating guys in, but all those guys made impact. So I was really impressed with the front. They were really Bosco. good. And again, like you said, dude, Chris King told me afterwards they hadn't run that front the whole entire year, right. ever. And so we kind of saved it. And I, I love that. I love that. And, you know, last year we gave Bosco coaches a little bit of a hard time. So Jason Negro, happy for him, one of my favorite guys, and, and Coach Lowe, Coach King, the whole staff, they all did a good job. So No doubt about it, GB. Wrap time, it up, Keith. Yep, Wrap time it to up. bring this baby to a close, man. Follow us on social media, man. It's the Transparent Truth. We're out here, baby. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Follow my man at Greg Megan's at Coach Keith underscore MP on Twitter. Without further ado, let's bring this baby to a close. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.